Welcome to Pigskins and Pageantry, a podcast dedicated to all things SEC football. My name is Wes, and I'd like to invite you to join me, Jesse, and Matt each week as we discuss last week's games, news from around the league, make predictions for the upcoming games, and much, much more. And what's up, everybody? It's Wes coming to you from the all-expenses-spared Pigskins and Pageantry Studios. <laughs> and uh, after uh, an incredible weekend of football, the first weekend of football, we're all happy football is back. Um, let's talk about it. I mean, there's a lot to talk about, a lot to unpack from last week, and uh, a lot to look forward to for this upcoming week. Um, and we've got a, a, a lot of uh, fun things to talk about, uh, extra fun things to talk about along the way. So um, joining me as always, Jesse, what's going on? It was very strange not to be watching the Tide play in like Dallas or Atlanta um, and having to figure out how to access them on SEC Network. Like it was just very strange to not be um, the, the primetime game. So it's a rough life, Jesse. <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> oh man. Um, you know, uh, problems of the perennial powerhouse fan. <clears throat> Matt, what's going on, my friend? Finally, it's football time in Tennessee. Right. And uh, Woo! glad that football is back, kids. It was a great weekend. I apologize for not being here last week. You know how that goes. Hopefully, yeah. that didn't clip the audio. So we'll see you're, how that works. Out. You're uh, you're in high demand. We understand. So it, yeah. it happens. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you how much high demand I am. By the way, I want to point out this is not a Georgia shirt. This is a Niners shirt. Fantasy yeah. football starts today. So yeah. Everybody was wondering why I'm wearing Georgia colors. I'm Matt not didn't lose a bet shirt. or something. Yeah. No, there is no bets. Not so yet. even my even my Smashing Pumpkins shirt has uh, color coordinated for, for Georgia. So you know, we're all good. We're all. We're all good. So, um, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, talk about some of those games uh, from last week. Always remember, if you ain't first, you're last. All right, so uh, we've got a few to talk about. There were a lot of games that weren't necessarily um, competitive, shall we say. Um, so we're not going to talk about them all, but let's uh, let's go ahead and get into a few of them. First off was uh, Ball State uh, at Tennessee, and this one wasn't exactly uh, competitive, but Matt, I know you, you're obviously you're a Tennessee fan, so uh, I did want to get your thoughts on this one. Tennessee taking this one big, fifty-nine to ten, with Matt getting the point in this one. Obviously, a big win to start the season. Uh, Matt, what were your thoughts just from watching the offense? Has the defense improved? What do you think? Uh, um, first off, I want to point out that I am sneezing and I sound stuffy because I'm allergic to points. Apparently, <laughs> um, Tennessee getting that fifty burger, which we're always glad to see. Um, overall, I thought this was a pretty solid game. Uh, I thought Hendon Hooker looked pretty good. Uh, he went 18 for 25, uh, for 225 yards, two TDs. Granted, he's not nuking the stats line, but still looked pretty good. Um, overall, I was really happy with how things looked offensively. We looked pretty solid defensively. The only complaint I had was I felt like we weren't putting enough, um, enough pressure on ball states quarterback, um, enough, or at least not enough for my sake. Um, stat wise, I mean, we got 569 total yards. That's usually a pretty good sign that things are going your way. And the majority of that was in the air. So, um, overall, very happy with this. I'm looking forward to seeing how, uh, Hen and Hooker looks going into a competitive game this weekend against Pitt. Um, and you know, somebody else that jumped off the page, uh, at me uh, late in the game was Joe Milton. 
He went eight for nine for 113 yards and a touchdown. He looks mm-hmm. a lot better than he did last year when he was throwing balls through the back of the end zone on fourth down. So, um, you know, a couple of other names that kind of jump out for Tennessee. Um, there's Wright, Small, who else? They all had over 50 yards receiving. Uh, Cedric Tillman, I'm sorry, those are running backs, my fault. Cedric Tillman, Holiday, Caton, yeah. McCoy, the ball was spread around by uh, Hooker quite a bit. So a pretty good game overall. I was very happy. Um, I'm just hoping that we can keep up that, that if we can keep scoring 50 points every game, we're good to go. Yeah, usually when you get uh, 50 on the board, you're usually in, in good shape. But, uh, yeah, we'll see how that uh, how that defense does down the road. Jesse, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, much the same as Matt. Um, Hendon Hooker I thought looked really good. He threw for 222 yards, two touchdowns, ran for two more scores, um, obviously leading them to that, that huge victory. And Jalen Wright I thought was pretty impressive. His ground game, 86 yards and a touchdown. So, overall, I think Tennessee's offense is – you know, greatly improved. I don't think it was something that we were concerned about necessarily uh, just because they were doing pretty well last year as well. The mm-hmm. defense is, you know, something that I think will be tested going into pit, not so much against uh, ball state, but I know that revenge is, is very much on the minds of Tennessee uh, after last year's game against mm-hmm. Pitt. but I know we'll talk about that later. So overall a uh, great way to start off, you know, Thursday night football in sec country. That's right. All right, let's move on to um, to the next one that we have here, Cincinnati at Arkansas, with Arkansas winning 31 to 24. Uh, I got two points because I got the score exactly right, 31 to 24. It just, it just doesn't happen. So, um, <clears throat> all right, so look, I know like Desmond Ritter's moved on. Uh, I understand there's that aspect of this. But Cincinnati team, uh, this is a Cincinnati team that's still, you know, uh, you got to watch out for them. Obviously, they uh, made it to the playoffs last year. I know they got trounced in the first round, but, hey, they made it. Um, it's a big accomplishment for the program. They want to keep that rolling. So um, they wanted to, to prove themselves and that that wasn't a fluke. Um, they did make it difficult for Arkansas, uh, Arkansas down the stretch and uh, K.J. Jefferson he did show us, Jesse, you talked about some of that grit, and he showed that uh, in last week's game. Um, uh, the game was close the whole time, back and forth, um, with uh, Cincy only one or two scores behind uh, the whole time. It was never, you know, a sure thing for Arkansas. Uh, ultimately, Arkansas closed things out, though, to begin the season with a quality win. So kudos to them. I do want to uh, listen to uh, Coach Sam Pittman and his assessment of the win as well. Coach Pittman, you talked to us this week about the significance of beating a top 25 team yeah. at home to start the season. You used the word momentum. What will this do for you going forward? Well, I hope I mean, we got to get healthy. I mean, we knew it was going to be a really physical game and they knocked the heck out of us. What a good football team. What a great coach they are. Our defense made some key stops, you know, on the day and our offense, obviously that last drive right there, never giving it back. That was huge for us, but we got a lot of work to do but I'd rather do that on winning than I would losing. What did K.J. Jefferson show you in the way he responded to some pressure? Uh, you know, on the third down play down there, they had him dead to rights, you know, and he made a miss and got the first down, and then basically, you know, we, we went down and scored, and then here in this uh, late late drive, he did the same thing, and we never gave the ball back. He's a good player. Coach, I asked you what the host of this party was going to be serving up today. What's the drink of choice tonight? Well, you know, I... I'm not promoting it, but I like some old cold beer. I think I'm going to have one. I'm not promoting it now. <laughs> Enjoy it, Coach Pittman. Thank you. Go Hawks. 
I love that. Not promoting it now. He's so precious. Yeah. Uh, Jesse, your thoughts on, on this game? Uh, I mean, Arkansas has got to feel good about this, right? You have to. Um, what I thought was really interesting is this game was Arkansas's first top 25 matchup at home since 2016. So that's a, an interesting, you know, just fact off the top um, and something that I think is really important for them knowing that they won it. Uh, Jefferson threw for 223 yards, three touchdowns and ran for 62 yards and a score. Um, Like I said, and you mentioned it, he's just a gritty, gritty guy. And he came up really clutch in some of those moments. We just heard Sam Pittman talk about it. Um, And what he said in a different interview was, Seems to me like when the games get a little tighter, a little closer, when he's really got to take over the game, he's got the knack to do it. Seems to me like most every time we need him to win the game, he makes some kind of play. Um, I think that's a great thing to know about your quarterback, uh, to have that faith in him, to know that when it's really getting to the wire, that you can trust him, um, that he's going to, for better or for worse, put his body on the line and either run or pass. Uh, But through the air, it seemed like he was really connecting with uh, tight end Trey Knox, who caught two of the three touchdown tosses, including one that was actually a toss. It was a little jump pass from about like five yards, um, and it gave them the 14-0 lead at halftime. But another interesting thing, I think, to look at with Arkansas, we talked about last week, is the transfer portal. And that has been so clutch for them. Most of Arkansas's big plays uh, that did not involve Knox um, and Jefferson came from players picked up in the transfer portal. So Dominic from Georgia Tech, Drew Sanders from Alabama, they both had sacks. Dwight um, McLaughlin, I'm so sorry if I said your name incorrectly, uh, from LSU had an Arkansas interception. Matt Landers from Toledo uh, caught three passes for 43 yards, and Hazelwood from Oklahoma had three grabs for 42 yards and a score. So the transfer portal is changing the game. I think talent is being spread around in a way that I don't think it ever has been before and very impressed with, with Arkansas, their grit, and I hope they can keep that momentum up. That's some good stuff. Um, appreciate that. I, I did not know that about um, some of the, some of the uh, transfer players that were, that came up big in this one. So appreciate that, that knowledge dropping knowledge bombs. Uh, Matt, what were your thoughts on, uh, uh, on this game? Uh, listen, anytime Sam Pittman gets a good, it gets a win and then he blesses us with a quote like that at the end, like you got to love the guy and you got to be rooting for him. Um, what do you, you think know, is this cold beer of choice? Oh, because that was my big thing. As soon as I heard it, I was like, you know, he starts being very traditional, probably like a Budweiser or a Mickey. What did you say, oh, Jesse? Or maybe, maybe a Coors, maybe a big with beer. <laughs> <laughs> You said uh, you said twisted tea. I did say twisted tea. Sam is not drinking. <laughs> I, I think he's such a well. Got the you know southern sweet tea mixed with. No, I, I got no. That man is not drinking that. But anyway, so listen. I, like Jesse said, this is a top twenty-five matchups. First one that Arkansas has had since twenty sixteen. That by itself speaks volumes for where this program's come. Um, just since Pittman took over. Remember a couple of years ago, Arkansas was lucky if they won an SEC game at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and we you know, talked about it on here. They were in really, 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 really bad shape. And then when the Sam Pittman hire happened, we were all like Sam Pittman, the O-line coach, like he hasn't even been a coordinator. Like that makes no sense, but it's panned out. And here's Arkansas climbing their way into the top, almost top 20, top 15. 
here after this. Um, and, the, and let's not take away that this is a Cincinnati team that every year is traditionally pretty solid. Um, and, you know, they in Cincinnati hung with them. Uh, kudos to Cincinnati, by the way. At one point after, oh, there was a probably, I was looking at the scoreline, um, with about three minutes into the third quarter, they're down 21-7. Um, so it could have been really easy for them just to kind of roll over and take the hit from there. But since mm-hmm. he climbed back into it, they just didn't have enough uh, enough to get it going. I would assume that would probably have to do with some of the turnovers. They had two of them in this game. Um, but, you know, anytime Pittman wins, I'm all for it, as long as it's not against Tennessee. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, more, to, more to follow. We'll be watching Arkansas, of course. Um, they got some other games, big ones coming up. Uh, next, we have uh, Oregon at uh, Georgia. That was uh, the uh, Chick-fil-A kickoff game, and um, Georgia taking this one big, 49-3. to three. Uh, Matt got the point in this one. Um, Stetson Bennett dropping some crazy numbers, 25 of 31, 368 yards and two touchdowns. Look, he looked really comfortable against a, what I think is still a quality opponent. Obviously, you know, the jury's still out. We'll see how that how that goes. Uh, the rest of the season. Um, but I mean, you know, uh, Dan Lanning didn't come to a, a bare cupboard there when he, when he got to Oregon, there's some, some really talented players there. So, um, you know, obviously they got to work out schemes. They got to work out um, all the particulars there, but uh, yeah, I think they still have uh, a potentially a, a decent season ahead of them. But one thing that really encouraged me is the fact that Stetson looked like he was out there with nothing to prove. Like I felt like last season it, he was still that walk-on guy um, who was just trying to prove to people that he belonged. And I mean, he was, uh, you know, MVP uh, of uh, the last couple games. I think that does something for your confidence as well as obviously winning the title that has to do something, even when people are still saying, Oh, well, it was the defense that won that, that championship. Um, he also showed a side that that we haven't really seen in this game, and that was throwing a touchdown with like defenders hanging off of him. I, I was not expecting that. I mean, there's guys running at his face, uh, but he uh, he kept his eyes down the field and found the open man. So um, that was good to see. You gotta love to see that. Um, so Bo Nix, you know, who we've talked about many times on this show. Um, for Auburn, of course, he looked better at times. He looked somewhat more comfortable with, I mean, this O-line is like they were saying during the game, probably the best one that he's played, uh, behind, but, um, but still he showed those flashes of the same Bo Nix where he'll make a great play, but then it's like in his mind, so he'll make a great scrambling play, but in his mind, it's like, he's got to do that every play. I'm like, no dude, sometimes you just take your losses, you know, take, take what's there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, uh, that will definitely drive head coaches crazy. Um, Georgia's defense looked great. If I'm being nitpicky and this is kind of nitpicky, it should have been 49 zero because that was BS that personal foul call when the guy, so he has the guy up high and he's not going down. What is he supposed to do? He picks him up, throws him on the ground. It wasn't even that hard of a throwdown, and they called him person, uh, personal foul for, West. Uh, you're suffering from Alabama syndrome. No, I mean, I'm just saying, <laughs> like, literally, what do you want him to do in that situation? That was my only thing. He's supposed it. to talk. With, he's supposed to hold him close and whisper in his ear, I need you to go down. I don't want to hurt you. Little <laughs> Bad body. choice of words. Our <laughs> defender had him. And he, 
uh anyway he um he had to get uh him off his feet and that was the only way whatever well you know we'll we'll take our losses there but it, it at the end of the day uh great performance by the defense super impressed with them uh, offense looked comfortable didn't expect that in this game again it's game one so what i keep telling myself so I, i'm not going to be one of those fans where we do something good one year and then all of a sudden i'm, I'm a different west i'm going to be like yeah we're going to be the, the best blah 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 still still have somewhat of that mentality of let's just pump the brakes here let's wait and see how the rest of the season goes it could be a one-off you just never we don't know how good west, you're being is. you're being way too modest uh, your, your I'll, team I'll, is the defending national champions <laughs> This yeah, but I don't what, want to be that guy. This, this is not what Alabama would do, Wes. This is not what Alabama would do. Alabama would I'm be sure there are some we Alabama nitpick. fans. We would nitpick, but you also, I think everyone got scared after the LSU thing, where it's like they were amazing, and right. then they were just straight trash, and you're like, ugh. I, I feel like there's a little bit more of a consistency to Kirby Smart's program, though. It's just not, that, not hating on Coach O. We all love him, right? But it's just... That was just a one-year thing, lightning in a bottle, this perfect storm, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, yeah, like I said, not getting carried away at this point. We don't know how good either team is, but you still have to make the plays, right? So from that standpoint, I'm very pleased uh, with the game. So um, I've said enough. Matt, what were your thoughts on this one? Listen, I spent two hours, two full hours, um, Saturday night writing a strongly worded letter to PETA. Um, ducks do not deserve to be treated this way, um, whether they are the actual water foul ducks or the football team from Oregon ducks. Um, listen to this drive chart. I just want to run down this. So here's Oregon's possessions through the game. First drive punt, second drive interception, third drive interception, fourth drive field goal. And then the end of the half. Okay. In the second half punt, 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 turnover on downs. I don't know who insulted George's mama before the game, but good God. Um, <clears throat> you know, Pac-12 teams typically, we've discussed this at length. Uh, how do I put this delicately? Um, the Pac-12 um, sucks, kind of. Uh, so, thank you. I'll be here all week. Um, and so, you know, when you've got a top 15 team in Oregon, which, okay. Um, you know, and then Georgia just throttles them like they did. I, that's that speaks volumes i think uh about where things are um georgia took care of business just like we anticipated them to um now the ducks have got to go back to oregon and try and put together their team and i bet bo nicks poor bo nicks i feel so bad for him he's probably having nam flashbacks uh in that backfield <laughs> i how many did he get sacked at all Let i didn't see. see the stats on that but yeah he was being chased um, a lot I, I seem to remember when i i didn't have a chance to watch the game but i watched the highlights and I seem to remember there being quite a few uh, Georgia defenders, at least with a hand in his face, if not some sacks. And there's no defense. Of course, you know, his his natural inclination to scramble with the ball no. kind of puts himself in that position a lot of times. There were no sacks in this game. But um, don't worry, he just threw um, interceptions instead. Yeah, well, he's Bo Nix. That's kind of what he does. Um, but you know, I, I, I bet he probably, you know, he heard fortunate son. He heard the helicopter blades <laughs> spinning around Charlie's in the trees. And the next thing you know, there's Georgia defender in his face. So, yeah. Um, you know, you can take the boy out of the planes, but <laughs> still there. Oh man. Planes never really leave. 
Poor well, kid. I, I'm sure uh, Jesse would share that sentiment. What do you think? I just, I, I don't understand why Oregon thought getting Bo Nix was a good idea. Like what, what they saw that they're like, no, 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 that's our guy. No, it's not. He's nobody's guy. Bo Nix is still Bo Nix. And the fact that the announcers after the first interception, they're like, you know what? That one, not his fault. That was whatever, you know, like that, that happens. And we're like, okay, cool. Sure. Then well, we the next drive, too, there's there another a- one and they go, oh no, that's classic Bo Nix. No, that he does that. That was, that was on him. And if you go back and watch the offensive coordinator, oh my God, the reaction is hilarious. They show <laughs> him and he's like, what are you doing? It's awesome. Um, you. And they just kept showing it over and over again on the broadcast and just, yeah. Um, this game was boring. I thoroughly did not enjoy it. And I don't know why anyone thought this would be entertaining because as Matt has said, um, we've seen this before, not with these particular teams necessarily, but we've seen this show. Um, 10 out of 10 would not watch again. Yeah. Now, by the way, didn't we get on the Bo Nix bandwagon for like a week one time, a couple of years ago, we were like, (laughs) Bo Nix is showing some improvement. And then, just I think wasn't that like wishful time. thinking? We 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 wanted to believe no, the best. He had a game somewhere. <laughs> he had like one in last game two in years. Yeah, and maybe his in like year two. Maybe? But it was early in the season. I remember that it was early oh, in yeah. the season, and we thought, oh, maybe Bo Nix has turned this turned the corner. But I think his know. first season wasn't terrible, right? And then the sophomore slump kicked in, and that yeah. was he, he regressed was. as we've. There was so much hype around him, though, coming into Auburn. There was so much and then nothing. But congratulations. I heard he got married this summer and then moved to a completely different coast. So exciting. A lot of changes. A lot of life changes for for Bo. To be fair, he did go to Oregon. And as far as like pretty states go, Oregon's ahead of Bama. He's got really great. Oh, especially Auburn. And y'all come for me. I don't care. Come for me. If you're, if you're one of the fans of the planes, please. I would love to hear your argument. I, I, I'm sure that there's going to, the flame war will start just from that comment. Yeah, whatever. It is, isn't it the prettiest little village on the planes or whatever they call it? Something like that. Yeah. Look, you know, I suppose everybody has their thing, right? And uh, I, I have been there and it's, uh, it's not bad. Granted, I was there like 15 years ago, but, uh, but hey, it, it is what everybody has their thing, I guess. So, um, all right. Well, um, yeah. So let's move on to the next one we have, and that is the Utah Utes. The two Utes. Uh, uh, to what? What is a Ute? Anyway, the the Utah Utes at Florida, uh, down at the swamp, uh, and oh. Florida taking this one very close, 29-26. Uh, I got the point. And this one look um this game almost had, it had the feel of like the the last person who has the ball is going to win and it probably would have been that way if it weren't for florida's defense you know stepping up eventually uh with amari bernie uh, intercepting utah in the end zone as they're driving for the win uh but a really intense back and forth game um we we really we really saw um uh, anthony richardson uh, show out in this one um he he threw for some yards but the rushing uh just unstoppable over 100 yards three touchdowns on the ground for for Richardson um and so yeah we were seeing a lot of him uh, living up to the hype and this is just game one so um by the way they'll be talking about that uh jump 
pump fake spin move for a long time. I don't know if you guys saw that, but that was pretty, pretty insane. So uh, let's hear what head coach Billy Napier had to say about the game. Coach, in an incredible atmosphere in your first game here, what did your team show you tonight? Man, I'm, I'm going to say the same things I said to the team. Um, I'm so thankful for their work, right? I'm so thankful for their trust. I mean, that's a that's a strong word, but that's what this game requires. Um, get a leadership opportunity like this, you quickly realize how important it is to surround yourself with great people. That's what we got here. We got great administration. We got a great staff. We got an unbelievable group of players that has really worked hard and trusted us, and I'm thankful for that. Every time Utah scored, Anthony Richardson and that offense had an answer for it. How did they do it? Well, I, I think we're figuring out here this Anthony Richardson guy is pretty good, right? So, you know, I've been impressed with him. Um, we see the physical uh, things, but the guy's a humble guy. He's selfless. He has worked so hard, man. I mean, he's from Gainesville, Florida. He's dreamed of this his entire life. Yeah, so um, obviously high praise there from uh, from Coach Napier. Uh, Jesse, what are your thoughts on, on this game? And, uh, I mean, it's a big win for Florida, right? This is huge. I think this is one of the best probably season openers they've had in decades, honestly, at least the most entertaining to watch and one that had so much hype around it. What a great way to start the season at home to be in that crowd, especially if you were a Florida fan, had to be nerve wracking, but also really awesome. Um, and I'm proud, first of all, that the uh, Florida fans did not burn Gainesville to the ground. So uh, <laughs> proud to be there. That's a gold star. But I think Richardson was without a doubt the best player on the field most of the night. Um, he, we talked about it last week and Wes, I don't know if it was you or Grant just talking about how he could be mobile when he needed to. Um, and I think we saw that in this game, uh, fifth year linebacker, Amari Bernie was obviously the one who sealed that victory, uh, with the interception of, uh, Cam rising's second down pass in the end zone. So that's 17 seconds remaining. That's insane. Um, and he said afterwards, someone had to make a play. It just happened to be me. That's pretty cool and pretty humble. Cause I, I was would say everybody's staying humble. humble there too. Right. That's all yeah. that's good. But Richardson ran 11 times for 106 yards. He was never stopped for a loss. He completed 17 of 24 passes for 168 yards. And he played turnover free football all game, which is huge because in the past couple years, the Gators have not been able to play turnover free football. Uh, so this is something that I think is exciting for them to build on. And I mean, people are saying it. I think we still have to see because this is only game one. Um, and we've seen this before where programs look like, oh, oh, they don't even need to rebuild. They just got a new coach and it's cool. I'm not saying that yet, but I, I after looking all over the Internet, it seems like a lot of Florida fans are very encouraged and they think that the rebuilding is not going to take long and are really excited about Napier's recruiting uh, that he's done in the past couple months. And they think that that's really going to close the gap. So far that uh, question about um, Napier or Brian Kelly might be leaning towards Napier right now. Matt, what do you think? I, uh, I I'm, I'm, if you're a Florida fan, I'm going to go ahead and apologize because this is probably going to trigger you a little bit. So um, because I'm going to be that guy this was a fluke um oh let me and give me a moment to explain um 
in the fluke in the aspect that the, this game should have ended in a Utah win. Um, not to take anything away from Anthony Richardson. He played a heck of a game. Not to take anything away from Florida. They played a heck of a game. But at the end of the day, this game comes down to a mental mistake from Cameron Rising. They're in the red zone. They are driving the ball. There's not a lot of time left. He throws and makes the absolute worst decision I've ever seen a quarterback make in a long, 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 long time. I, I watched that play three or four times after it happened, and I was like, who are you throwing it to? There's a receiver on his knees, like laid down, but even if you zip it to him, there's a two guys behind him and a guy in front of him. You're better off throwing out of the end zone. It was only like second or third down anyway. So it was a second down. See, that's what I'm talking about. It's just if if that had been a better decision, I think Utah wins this game. And then we're talking about this being Florida's, you know, heartbreaking loss in the very first game of the season. I I don't think this should have been a a Florida win. I think this was a Utah win. Um, I think Utah made a I think rising made a mistake after playing a pretty solid game uh as well so um you know i just i'm not sold on billy napier yet um again let's remember this is a pac-12 team uh, probably an overhyped pac-12 team um and did you did y'all happen to see how high up florida ran up in the top 25 this week like 12 right uh, they shot up they went from unranked to like 13th or something which granted it's a top 10 team sure whatever um i just i don't i'm not sold i won't be sold until they're able to put the hurting on somebody of you know a little bit higher quality in my book yeah Um, and it doesn't come down to a really bad quarterback decision to force a ball into a a spot where it shouldn't have happened yeah i think this gives them confidence though which is what i think they have been lacking um Mm -hmm. you know with mullen there was turmoil all over the place there i don't feel like they had any confidence to me this game gives you a little bit of confidence hearing the way Napier speaks about them. I think that maybe there is some trust now in the locker room. Maybe there is some good feelings happening. They've said Southern accents real. Yeah, it's real. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think, I think this helps. And I agree had, had he not made that decision, this would have probably gone a very different way. And we would be looking at, you know, something like, I don't know, FSU, LSU, who knows, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think this helps from a confidence perspective and, and starts to, to turn the tide for them, um, at least mentally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no, do, that's big. And, and I do want to point out again, um, you know, and I, I stand by my statement that I made last year or, or when they made this hire, I'm still not convinced that Billy Napier is the guy. Um, and they very well may be some happy feelings going on in that locker room right now, but let's remember a certain other football coach that brought some happy feelings after a big win in the whole champions of life and brick by brick thing after being successful at a mid major and then coming up to the sec and then not doing a whole lot. I, I said it before I'll stand by that statement until I'm proven wrong. Billy Napier is Butch Jones version 2.0. I stand by that and I will, I will, I will eat my hat if he turns it into something else, but I'm telling you, I'm, I'm getting the same vibes as I, that I got from him last year or last week. And this week, Jesse said, she's going to eat somebody's cleat last week and Matt's going to eat his hat. now we just have all kinds of clothing being eaten this season. Um, you're talking about, you, you mentioned Dan Mullen earlier. As you guys see, obviously he's on uh, sec network now. 
How's that man so, still getting work? He's uh, I, I mean, he did okay. I mean, obviously the guy likes to talk, and he oh, he does you know, like that. Whatever he was on there with uh, what's his uh, Roman Harper and a few other people on there talking about uh, you know between the games and stuff. So you know, kudos oh. to the guy. He found work. So um, all right. Uh, so I don't want to. Uh, it, it was a, it was a massive blowout, but Jesse, I'm not going to skip Bama. Okay. Yeah. So let's so let's talk about them, or I'll let you talk about them. Bama winning fifty-five to zero. Uh, I got the point in this one. What were your thoughts on Bama's performance? Obviously, they scored a lot of points and did really well. But did anything catch your eye? Something that that the listeners should know about? Yeah, I was encouraged because I think, and this maybe just a me thing, that sometimes when like you win a Heisman, Bryce Young won a Heisman, and then all and so young to do it. And then comes back and, and I get nervous that maybe there's not as much, um, desire to just really show out because you, you know, you've, you've gotten that right. But five touchdown passes, uh, and we saw something from Bryce Young that we typically don't see at least not last year. He didn't just throw for touchdowns. Um, in the first half, he ran for a hundred yards, um, and a score which we typically don't see him super mobile. He's very pass heavy, but he was able to, to run the ball. And it was encouraging to see that sort of dynamic in him. Um, and he said, after the game, I just try to do whatever is best for this team, whatever the defense gives us. That's definitely interesting. It definitely wasn't something I was planning for. For me, it's just taking whatever the defense gives me. So that was awesome to see. I think it was also cool to see how he spread the ball around. Um, there's a lot of new playmakers, again, talking about the transfer portal and just our depth chart, especially in the receiving core and uh, running backs. So he spread it around quite a bit with two touchdown passes to both Georgia transfer Jermaine Burton and Treshawn Holden and some handoffs to Jameer Gibbs. Uh, Gibbs, for those that don't remember, he was someone that we talked about very heavy in the off season. He's the transfer from Georgia Tech. Um, and he was pretty speedy uh, with a 58 yard run on the first play after the half. And he finished with 93 yards on nine rushes. So encouraging to see that because there were some question marks knowing he was coming from an ACC program into an SEC program. And how would he, how would he do? Of course, we'll see more of that when he actually plays another SEC team. But I think like we talked about last week, Alabama is still angry and stewing over the loss to Georgia in the national championship. And we Jess, you're gonna going ride to that revenge it. tour thing, aren't you? It's just gonna... I want a t-shirt with it. <laughs> um, just like a band t-shirt that says like the uh... revenge tour. It has all the dates on the back. I would like that if someone is okay making that and sending it to me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think like I said, it was really great to see after we lost some guys to the draft, uh, to see some new playmakers out there. Uh, we lost receiver Jamison Williams, John Mechie, and our tailback Brian Robinson. So you know, to see some new talent step in and really, I think, fit well uh, with Bryce is, is encouraging. I agree with every word you said. Matt, do you have anything? Yeah, Bama doing Bama things. Uh, I mean, look, it's Utah State, okay? They don't even have a real mascot. Like, what is an Aggie? What is an Aggie? I don't I mean, know. I know, Jimbo I know, Fisher. I, I know what an Aggie <laughs> is, but I just... There's nothing to say, okay? Yeah, it's yeah, it, it is what should have happened. Uh, you were mentioning the transfer portal portal earlier. So um, Georgia only had one transfer portal player this year. 
that they got. Do you know who had fewer? Um, Auburn. Matt got it. Clemson with zero. Oh, because they don't need nobody. Because Because, nobody. Yeah, because because Dabo is completely against NIL and completely against. Hey, old Dabo's like, I got who I got. I don't need nobody else. But you know what? Apparently, they love it because they just signed him to a a huge contract again. Yeah, through like twenty thirty. About that. (laughs) Yeah, Clemson Clemson may end up having to pay out a lot of money at some point. Although they, (laughs) they, I guess they are happy with him. Yeah, I I mean, apparently they're in the ACC. They don't have to worry about playing anybody. Yeah. I mean, hey, fine. We'll, yeah, we we'll, said it. <laughs> it's this not an ACC, ACC show. Come, fine. Come, fine. come for us, ACC Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of ACC, they could have bragged about this one. Florida State versus LSU, uh, FSU winning this one uh, 24 to 23. Nobody got the point. We all picked LSU. But, look, I, I was uh, really intrigued by this matchup, too. Like, former powerhouse teams, some more recently than others, uh, struggling to return to form, as it were. Um, and so it sounds funny to say, like I said, because LSU was just there just a few years ago. But um, like we said before, kind of a lightning in a bottle kind of situation. Uh, in this game, FSU was kind of in command in terms of the scoreboard, leading 17 to 3 in the third, 24 to 10 in the fourth. But LSU just wouldn't go away. And they mounted a comeback, and the last four or five minutes in this game were just insane. If you haven't had a chance to, to take a look or go back and look at the highlights, LSU scored a touchdown, a 22-yard pass from Jaden Daniels to Dre Jenkins. And then they had the opportunity to get the ball back shortly after this, but Malik Neighbors muffed the punt. I felt so bad for that dude. That was his second one of the game, too. Wow. Um, and uh, FSU uh, recovered it near the goal line, but they also fumbled on a toss. LSU got the ball back. Um, so uh, LSU marched down the field, scored with no time left. Um, zeros on the clock to make it 24-23. Only need an extra point, right? Uh, well, uh, Jared Vars flew in from the side and blocked the kick, and the game was over in dramatic fashion. So um, just a, a real wild one here. Matt, uh, what were your thoughts on um, – just a crazy finish down there. And, Listen, uh, that, that was, that was a heck of a game. Um, a lot of back and forth. Um, I, I was impressed with uh, how LSU just kept, they would not go away. Like you said, they kept fighting back and coming back and coming back. Um, you gotta hate getting to that close to tying it back up. And then the extra point gets blocked at the very end. Oh yeah. Um, you know, uh, General Nealon used to like to say, press the kicking game. That's where the breaks are made. And that's an example of a break, breaking someone's back. Um, heck of a play by uh, Jared Varsay. Like you said, flying in out of nowhere. Um, I, I remember I saw the notification because I didn't have a chance to watch the game. I saw the notification that it happened. Then I saw the play right after. And I'm like, wow, that is a heartbreaker for LSU. Heck of a play. Um, and Brian Kelly had to have been cussing up a storm. <laughs> Uh, after that, I can guarantee you he was not standing on that little rotating platform getting pictures taken after that. Oh, I just triggered somebody's Alexa. Uh, perhaps I think you did actually, but hey, it's all good. She's trying to get in on the show too. So, uh, <clears throat> anyway, um, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was a good game, the great game to watch. Just yeah, you gotta hate a wild that one. LSU. I, I would be, I would be distraught if that had happened to me and I was an LSU fan, no doubt. 
So it's funny that we were talking about Napier and Brian Kelly, both coaches on different ends of extremely close games. I mean, it's not like it was a blowout either way. It's just on the edge of a knife type of thing. Jesse, what were your thoughts on this game? Yeah. I I mean, I think both teams, there were a comedy of errors in the red zone. There were just missed opportunities. Um, Mm -hmm. There were times where it just, it looked sloppy. Um, And Again, I'm going to bring up transfer portal because you just see it in every single article you read, but Daniels transferred from Arizona state. Um, you know, he, he won the position in camp essentially from, uh, Garrett Nussmeyer, right. I'm saying that right. Mm -hmm, Yeah. mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, he completed 26 for 35 passes for 209 yards, two TDs, um, both to Jenkins and he rushed for 114 yards. That's, that's not a bad showing. Um, another transfer, uh, the running back, Noah Kane, who came from Penn state, he scored LSU's first touchdown. Uh, so a lot of transfers doing some good things across all the programs, but to me, like I said, it's just the defense they left. It's like they left the game. Um, and then I just feel like there was just a comedy of errors in the red zone and you can't have that, but both teams did it. FSU just happened to be the one that was able to capitalize on it at the last second right now let's talk about the drama and there was a lot after this one so uh Kayshawn Booty like LSU's most hyped wide receiver got two receptions in this game after which he removed all mentions of LSU from his social media um so there was that um not sure what's going on there apparently he and Brian Kelly had a long conversation which I mean can you imagine it's like he can't do that. He can't possibly do that with every player, right? If they if they're going to be like that. No. But uh, anyway, apparently it it was not from a desire to show his uh, displeasure with LSU. It was the fact that I think some fans were kind of getting on onto him oh. or whatever, and he just kind of wanted to distance himself from that conversation or whatever. Absolutely. That's what they said. We'll see. I you know I guess time will tell how satisfied he is there, how happy he is there. Um, the second thing, Brian Kelly, uh, was giving the reporters a hard time for showing up late, which apparently they weren't really, it was just, it was close to time for the press conference to start following day. And, uh, so he was giving them a hard time about being late and Leah Van, a LSU beat writer for the advocate in Baton Rouge said, maybe if you win, I'll be on time. (laughs) And savage. If someone doesn't put that on a shirt, missed opportunity. It was savage, but even she, after the fact, she said that was not my finest hour. I think she was just kind of in the moment. She was stressed trying to get there on time, and then he called him out. Oh, no, she'll be banned from that press room. And it just sort of flew out. To be honest, as she should. Yeah, she'll be banned from that press room. As a journalist, I I feel like you should be a little bit more professional than that. I did feel like he handled it pretty well, though. He said he didn't get mad. He just said, no, I don't think it's about winning. I think it's about showing up on time. She, and I won't say she's lucky. Had she said that to many other coaches <laughs> could you imagine doing that nick saban the coke bottle would have exploded from his <laughs> amount of anger he i generated. think there would have been like a stop in the space-time continue i something weird would have gone on there, there, no, there would that. there would have been a pit opened up underneath her and then you'd hear latin omnibus, oh. and she'd be yeah. sucked down in the <laughs> hell we'll, um, we'll get the win when we get the win so stop asking yeah, she that was that's very unprofessional. She probably it, she'll definitely be banned from their press room, but she could have lost her job for that. Yeah. Um, I know at least in the press room in Tuscaloosa, 
first of all, you don't speak like that and nobody would even dream of it. But if you did, you wouldn't be working for any news outlet in that city ever again, because college football is what drives these, these towns, um, these college towns. And if you can't cover it, what good are you for months and months out of the year? Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. So a lot of uh, turmoil in the first week down at LSU. By by the way, I want to point out that I'm getting cousin cousin Eddie vibes off Brian Kelly with that. Really, I'm getting I'm getting some some just that seems like something that's something cousin cousin Eddie would do. Cousin Eddie is is also country himself though and brian kelly is not (laughs) well yeah that's a good point brian kelly's more country club right country country club that's true i don't know yeah i mean uh well time will tell we'll see he did handle that one well and then we'll see if he handles others later uh like that so um let's talk about some of these uh blowouts or less competitive games as we like to say um the louisiana <laughs> tech bulldogs at mizzou mizzou taking this one 51 to 24 i got the point in this one um uh luther burden the third also had a receiving touchdown and a rushing touchdown if, uh, if we want to look at uh somebody who was uh kind of popping off the page there um and next we had the sam houston bearcats hold on a second well, Hold I was going to move. I was going to move through these, and then you guys, whatever stands out to you. I, I just want to know if if Coach Drinky had something fun to say after this one. Did he not? I should I should have looked, but since it was like such a blowout, I I should have. I guarantee you, he went to his book book of little sayings and probably. That's true. That. I have the montage that I need to build on this year. Remember, I started that last year. It's going to be like ten minutes by the time we're finished. It will be. Um, <laughs> Sam Houston Bearcats at Texas A and M A and M winning this one as they should 31 to zero the still, longest weather delay it was long. it was yeah i didn't go back to watching it i couldn't it's so boring yeah this one was one of the ones uh, like it started earlier in the day right and it ended up being one of the last ones to yeah get done. it was one of the last ones to finish it was like awful weather delay I mean, they had it on the on the sec network uh, every time they would be like oh yeah the skies are looking great and then they pan back to it five minutes later and it's like dark again they're like never mind um, so yeah, that one was, was uh, interesting from that standpoint, not really anything else from another standpoint. Um, then we had the, uh, Troy Trojans at Ole Miss, Ole Miss winning this in 28 to 10. Uh, so not like a super blowout, but obviously getting the job done. Uh, I got the point in this one. Um, look, they I have struggled a little bit, didn't they? They, they did a little bit. I think they had I, a little bit of trouble. I saw Jackson dart him. He did throw a pick in this one. Uh, I think he's still got a lot of growing to do uh interesting to see how lane develops that so um but um remember first year matt crowell everyone was like yeah he threw like what was it six picks in one game yeah was it? he was bad yeah, yeah. he's he looked he, awful. Was bad. he did look and awful then completely developed so yeah. you know there's there's um there's definitely potential there but um um i bring this up because uh luke altmeyer has been announced that he will get to start this weekend Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know that that's because uh, Lane deems this to be a, a poor performance or if it's just going to be like a rotation kind of thing. Don't really know. So uh, we'll see um, how that goes. Um, then we had Mercer at Auburn. Auburn taking this one big, 42 to 16. Matt, Matt getting the point there. Uh, <clears throat> not a whole lot in that game. I was watching it live. I was like, this is one of those where you're just happy that football is back and you will literally watch anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, Miami of Ohio Red Hawks at Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky won this one 37 to 13. 
Um, I got the point in this one. Um, then we had the Elon Phoenix, who Matt was very curious about last week. Who is, who, what is a Phoenix? Anyway. Um, no, and then, I know what a Phoenix is. Right. I just don't understand why in the world you would name, like, I don't know. It's just. Maybe their college is rising from the ashes, Matt. Van- <laughs> Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt had to try to find somebody to beat and they went out and got a community college that like started like five years hey, ago. Vandy is on and top in the SEC East. They are for now, two and up. They played anybody <laughs> after the first Jesse after, after the first week. The Elon Phoenix, for God's sake! After they the first still, week, they were the highest offense uh, um, scoring offense in the country. I'm just they still only won by eleven points. Yeah, go right, ahead, but go ahead, so go ahead and, and hype them up, Wes. You go. Not right going to hype them up. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I, the, you know, <laughs> the only reason I do that is because it's fun and it's Vandy, <laughs> and I know it's not going to last, right? So that's why it's fun. Uh, you're talking about the points. Most of Elon's points came near the end of this game it was it really wasn't that close um as the scoreboard indicates but um this one uh, we could park here if you guys want to the memphis tigers at mississippi state mississippi state uh winning this one 49 to 23 matt getting the point here do you guys remember that game last year with that whole punt debacle um mississippi state getting some revenge with this one uh did you guys have any thoughts on this you know Memphis came in so hyped. Oh, you know yeah. they were replaying well, they that were, in the locker room. You bet, bet they were. But yeah, yeah, that that, was... that couldn't happen again. It, no, no. Um, I still don't know how that it shouldn't have happened. No. Um, even after it happened, it should have been reversed. But whatever. How about how about the let's 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 go ahead and clap it up one time. Clap it up a couple times for the officiating for? officiating yeah. this weekend. <laughs> There were yeah. no big debacles or true. trauma or people being burned in effigy. Like nothing yeah. bad happened with the referees this year or this, this week. You know, yeah. give it time. I'm sure that time will change that, but I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to give them this week. Baby steps, small victories, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. It's always nice to not like have a, a really week. big summit this summer because there was so much outrage last year. There really was like, guys. We just need to review yeah everything and i think it's fair to assume that that may have actually happened some kind of meeting they had some clinics yeah and some some uh professional development as we like to call (laughs) the education world some uh professional (laughs) development in not screwing up football games do do they have remedial uh courses on (laughs) on refereeing um yeah all right let's talk about the georgia state panthers at south carolina this one was 35 14 uh and jesse got the point in this one uh, this one was a close Finally. game. Yeah, I know. It was yeah, yeah more to, more to follow on that. <laughs> <laughs> this one was actually a close game with Georgia State winning like 14 to 12 in the third quarter. And it was a little, uh, you know, on edge there for a second. But then I think they had a couple of pump block returns for touchdowns. And really that just that just kind of helped uh, SC coast the rest of the way. So, but hey, kudos to them for doing what they need to do. What's up, Matt? What'd I you have got? a question. Yes, sir. I thought that Spencer Rattler was supposed to be really good. <laughs> oh man, we we even said it last <laughs> week. He's not perfect, right? Uh, uh, listen, um, I I was say it. We were You're there. Good. You're already there. Say we, it. <laughs> you know what? I thought he was going to be great, and now he's not. It's just and like I'm, really hot in South Carolina right that now. That is not so an excuse. That is not an excuse. And like the ball is slippery. It's not a good excuse. So just like different than Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, he, so he did have the two. I'm picks. trying to help because two interceptions. He, so he did have the two picks against the Georgia State Panthers, the powerhouse of Georgia State. Georgia Panthers. State out and got more yards offensively than they did. They did. They did. So that's that should tell you everything you need to know about the state of South Carolina. But but look, we get fixated on numbers like this. But I also think so. You're only going to have like a handful of teams that are elite and that are going to know how to close out opponents as they should, right? You're, you're not going to have, even if South Carolina is much improved, I think they're still going to sort of play to the level of their competition. That's just kind of where their program is right now. Um, I saw I saw it at Georgia, I don't know how many years, where, yeah, we could, you know, have a great performance and then uh, we could uh, almost lose to Nichols State or, you know, whoever. So, well, you know, um, that's a Georgia State team that beat Tennessee a couple of years ago yeah. in Knoxville, so... It's yeah. a Georgia State team that, I mean, they didn't beat Bama, but they did come into Tuscaloosa and they put up more offensive yards than any other team that season. I remember Saban's comments about that. That was rather entertaining. Yeah. Don't so, they run like some gimmicky offense? Don't they run like a triple option or something like that? Um, I don't know about Georgia State. I know Georgia Southern did or maybe still does. I'm thinking, I don't know. I'm, thinking, I'm getting my Georgia teams. Mixed yeah, up. Southern definitely does. Or yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure currently, but um, yeah, so that does it for all of the uh, games from last week. Um, so the current pick'em standings, uh, I've got eight, Matt's got five, and Jesse has one. Look, it's week one. Anything can happen still. Out of time. I got gonna, one. I don't even care. I got one. I'm going to put it out there. I didn't want to say it last week because I didn't want Grant to get jealous, but remember, there is $100 on the line here. So, um, so yeah. You know, we, we roll roll in the in the cash here. So, um, all right. So uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and get into a, a fun new segment that we started last week called the speed round. Speed round. I love that. <laughs> right. All right. So um, so uh, let's start with you, Matt, all right, on this one. So which was more of a statement win this past weekend, Georgia's demolition of Oregon? Or Florida's gutsy victory against Utah in Billy Napier's first game as head coach. Or if you have another game that you want to bring up, that's fine too. What you got? Uh, I really think that you'd have to, if you had to pick between the two, you got to go with Georgia. Um, I, I've made my statement clear on what I think about Florida and the state of their program. Um, and I'm saying that, full disclosure, by the way, I'm saying that I, I detest Florida. I loathe Florida. <laughs> There's nothing but, but, hate and discontent in my heart for Florida. I think everybody on this show agrees with that but, sentiment. <laughs> but I just don't, I don't think if you're going to have to pick one, you got to go with Georgia. Um, Georgia picking apart what was considered to be one of the best teams in the Pac-12 and making them pretty much inept at moving the ball at all, offensively speaking, and then scoring pretty much at will shows me that Georgia, that was more of a statement than the Florida one was. Okay. Jesse? I disagree. I go Florida on this one. Uh, to me, Georgia should have had that performance against Oregon. Bo Nix is leading your team. I have no confidence in it. I don't think you're going to do well. I didn't think this game was going to be very exciting. And as a reigning national champion, you should put away a Pac-12 team. So that, to me, doesn't make a statement. Uh, to me, I think what makes a statement, at least to the fan base and to the players, is the Florida win. I think that gives them the confidence that they need. Uh, to start the season and maybe instills a little bit of hope in the program and in their new head coach. Uh, there's a lot of up in the air and questions at Florida. So I think a win is more of a statement there right now than for a national championship, you know, reigning team that has a consistent head coach um, and consistent person behind, uh, you know, behind center. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, that's fair. I, I'll go. I'll go with that. So um, let's go to question number two, Jesse. Which SEC player had the most impressive performance this weekend, in your opinion? Oh, that's tough, man. That's really tough. Um, you know what? I'm going. I'm going. KJ Jefferson. I'm going Arkansas on this one. To me, sure. I think uh, his performance, his grit, as I've mentioned it before, is impressive. Uh, they went up against a team that I thought they were very well matched with as far as the level of competition and they were able to, to sneak it out. And so for me, I think, especially for him being someone in the off season that no sec um, accolades were given to, he wasn't on any watch list. He wasn't, they he was never about that. mentioned um, he was a miffed I, about that. He was miffed about it. <laughs> and I think him coming into, into that game, he was ready to prove something. And to me, I think, I think he did. And he showed a lot of leadership for his team. Matt, uh, granted, it's against Utah State, but I think I got to go Bryce Young. I mean, he scores six touchdowns. He gets what? Uh, 295 total purpose yards. So, I mean, no question in my mind. Like, if you're looking for the preeminent player this week in the SEC, it has to be Bryce Young. Even even against subpar opponent, I still think that that, that performance by itself uh, speaks volumes. Aren't you so proud I didn't pick a Bama player? I, I was anticipating you to pick a Bama player. I was impressed you didn't. Thank you. Um, I'm growing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what we're all bit. about on the show is personal <laughs> development. Um, so, uh, all right, let's go to the third question. Which, um, or, I'm sorry, will, uh, will LSU make it to a bowl game this year? And if you look at their schedule, so I'm pulling up right now. I'm not, straight to their schedule. <laughs> if you if you look at their schedule, I'm I'm not entirely convinced. Um, because um, they have a, a number of games that are obviously mm-hmm. there's a number of games that they're probably just not going to win. But there's a number look, of games that are looking challenging too. I see six potential losses here. All right, so um, obviously they lost to Florida State. Um, they should beat Southern, so that's one win, right? Um, so they, uh, Mississippi State I, is not a given. Uh, they should beat New Mexico, so that's two. Uh, Auburn, not a given. Tennessee, not a given. Florida, not a given. Ole Miss, probably going to lose. Bama, probably going to lose. Arkansas, probably going to use. UAB is a third win. And then AM. I mean, I have – three three wins that are probably no-brainers the rest of them are up in the air i mean and probably about half of those are i would say hands down they won't win and then the other half is eh, i don't know yeah i don't i don't i don't see it happen uh stranger things have happened but when you look at that schedule and remember they're in the sec west and the sec west is incredibly competitive even right you know, the lower tier of the SEC West can beat you on a good Saturday. So I don't know. Doesn't so, look good for the Bayou Bengals. So Matt, you're going with no. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say no. Not going to I'm, a, game. I'm gonna say they probably get uh, I should have probably looked. Um I say they probably win five games. Okay. I'll say they sneak up on on like oh probably Tennessee or Florida. Okay. I, I, I don't see them. I don't see them getting more than five. And Jesse, you, uh, yes or no? No. 
I'm, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to have to agree. No, no. I'm going okay, to have to agree. I, don't, I just don't. Um, I think they win three for sure, potentially four, and their fourth would be like maybe Auburn, maybe Ole Miss. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't see them beating anybody else. Absolutely fair. I like it. if you just look at the schedule. I don't see where those wins are coming from. So that's it's a tough schedule. It is a tough schedule. That, I was going to say um, he, they drew a, a tough one um, with but really they're paying the only Brian Kelly like a hundred million dollar like contract to yeah, he'll be okay. program. So I don't. Feel He's not bad. hurting. All right. Um, good speed round. Let's uh, talk about the opinion segment. Sir, if I may venture an opinion. I'm not really interested in your opinion, 3 PO. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right. So uh, I put this one on there because I, and maybe this is just me, but I see these and it just drives me crazy. And we've talked about teams shooting up the rankings and falling down the rankings and blah, blah, blah. Preseason non-CFP committee polls should be a thing of the past. Yes or no? Matt, you're nodding. Let's go with you yeah, first. Yeah. Listen, you should not even be beginning to put together an official poll until like week six because you don't have a good gauge of what a team looks like. Every year it's going to be different. You're going to have the kids that are really, really good. You're going to have the teams that are really, really stacked. But let's be honest here. You had Utah in the top ten, and they lost to – and again, I hate to say this, a subpar Florida team. Uh, you had Oregon somewhere up there, too. I'm not sure why. You could look across the top 25 and see teams. Notre that, Dame was ranked. Uh, <laughs> you know that's going to happen I don't every year. I, I honestly think the rankings mean squat now, and it really doesn't matter until you get to the CFP. It literally doesn't matter. <laughs> it, it doesn't. It's so really kind of just for funsies. Jesse, what do you think? Um logically we should not have them agreed it's it's silly it means nothing the nothing matters but as someone who thoroughly enjoys verbal altercations with people um <laughs> i love it because people like to say rage, whatever whatever and it's like okay right um and so i just like to take their their ranking um argument and i i like to just tear disassemble it, it yeah i like to do that but that's because i'm a hateful person so <laughs> really what it boils down to is where you sit in the conference if you're sitting in a position in the conference that's good where you're sitting at the top of the table in your division for those of us that have divisions um and you're in a position for those of us that have conferences well yeah that's <laughs> um god you're just gonna go all in on notre dame right <laughs> oh, yeah. um i was pulling for notre dame just to all clear on that um Oh, yeah, if you uh, if you're in a situation where you're competing in your conference, the rest of that stuff doesn't matter, I think. Yeah. And like we said, the the um, the non CFP polls are literally just for funsies. They do not count. It's like, you know, I don't know. Uh, but uh, the reality is, is that they're not going to go away because everybody loves, you know, I don't, it's just tradition, AP, USA Today, coaches, poll, you know, the, the coaches poll, blah, blah, blah. It's it's not going to go away just because of tradition I, I, is the best way I can, can put it or think of it. People are content and it's content. It's yeah, it, it, for def- writers and people to talk about what is ESPN going to talk about? <laughs> right. 
it hypes up the game. It it, it sounds better to have the three thirty matchup between number one and number five as opposed to just whoever the teams are and their records, yeah. right? And it, it puts more weight to it. So I, from that standpoint, I get it. But in the broad scheme of things, when, when we get down to playoff time, it, it literally does not matter. Um, all Especially right, so, when we go to 12 teams. Yeah. Yeah, I cannot wait for that, by the way. That's going to be a hot, <laughs> hot mess. But you know what? That's But it, in, in I'm, I can't remember. Did y'all talk about that last week? It hadn't um, happened. It hadn't happened yet. It had, yeah, it hadn't just, happened yet. Ah, uh, okay. So yeah, I guess that should have been in the news segment. I dropped the ball I on mean, that one. <laughs> but everybody well, knew. It's, it's as I say, it didn't just happen, but still, yeah, it is something worth talking about. And it's all right. So since we're here, <laughs> what what do you guys think about it? I uh, I'll go first. And personally, I'm just glad that there's more of an opportunity. For these teams to, to prove themselves on the field as opposed to saying, well, we should have been blah, blah, blah. We should have had a chance, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you have a chance. Prove yourself now, right? And at least you have a chance to play your way there instead of just, you know, griping about it. You know, what should have, would have, could have happened. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Jesse, what do you think? I agree. I think it opens up the competition for those that have been griping in years past. Um, I'm looking at you, UCF. Um, but I, I think it, I'm just going to have to take off work. I'm just going to have to just watch so much football to see it's going to be like March madness. And I just need to like sit with TVs. Um, but it will be interesting to see. I expected them to go to eight. I didn't expect them to just jump to 12. So that was a surprise to me. Yeah. Matt, what do you think? I'm all for it. Um, who's going to say no to more football? Because when you think about um, what the CFP, like, let me pull up the CFP rankings because I did this the other day and it was quite the uh, uh, the little. Um, as to who would play who. It, it was an interesting right thing. Now. So last year. Oh, wait, no, that's not right. Hold that thought. I'm going to find it. Talk about well, and, and I was going to say that um, it's uh, it's got, you know, the whole buy system now where your your top four teams right get a get a first round by yeah so So what you would have had last year is you would have had alabama georgia ohio state uh and michigan would have got a first round by and then you would have had matchups like clemson and florida you would have had texas a&m and oklahoma state you would have had uh, texas oh no i'm sorry uh, you would have had uh, Oklahoma and USC. Like you would have had some pretty marquee matchups. And think of the ticket sales. Think of the TV rights. Think of the 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 just the ridiculous nature of those matchups. Like, and, and granted, I saw a bunch of arguments that were made that it cheapens the regular season and it makes things not mean as no. much because then you can just limp into it. No, that's not the case. It's fine. You still this have to be in position to get into quality. the playoffs. Yeah, you still have to have quality wins to get in the top 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and also there's an argument to be made that there is less contention between 12 and 13 than there is between five and four. So right. if, if somebody gets frozen out and you're the 13th team and you're like, well, okay, well, we didn't do it. We didn't get there. But if you're the and fourth everyone team, will live for that, like, we came in at 12 and we won a natty. Story. And when it happens, yeah. it's going to be a huge will story. Live for it. It's going to be a huge story when that happens. And mm-hmm. the other part of this that connects to the NFL, now you're not going to have kids sitting out of the playoffs or bowl games. Yeah. 
because right. this is just another rep for them to get eyes on. Right. Especially that's, no. for that team that's, you know, comes in as a 10 seed in the tournament and ends up putting up big numbers going into the championship game. That's a perfect. Yeah, there's, there's literally no problem with this other than you're playing three extra games. Well, are you? Because um, they may just take some of the bowl games and turn them into playoff games. Well, I still say they need to go back to having one non-conference game, tune-up game at the beginning of the year, and then regular conference schedule for the rest of the year, rest of the season. Mm -hmm. You don't need 14 dadgum conference cupcake. I never have understood why we got away from that. That's the way it used to be, where you'd play a little tune-up FCS team in your first week, and then you start SEC playing week two. But we don't do that anymore. Well, that's a that's a perfect point where we only played each other <laughs> and we're paying. Yeah, the schools yeah. are paying. Those schools are paying a crap ton of money to those smaller schools. And I know that's beneficial for them. And that's, you know, the trickle down economics of college football. But I just I think we'd be better suited if we hit, played the games we we're supposed to play in conference, maybe one tune up game at the beginning of the year and then go to the CFP. And if you don't get there, you don't get there. Right. All right. Well, um, that's a good, uh, good conversation. Good stuff. Um, uh, obviously, we'll be talking about that a lot um, in the next uh, uh, few weeks and years. Um, I forget when does that go into effect? It was supposed to be. I think they told the commissioners of the conferences they wanted it by 2024. Yeah, it was. OK, so 2026 and they were urging commissioners to implement it as soon as 2024. Yeah, so yeah, which I, I have a hard time imagining anybody's going to shuffle their feet on that it, right well, at least the big conferences i can imagine like yeah. the, the pac 12 is probably like we don't want to do this well too bad sweetheart get in the i don't i don't know why they wouldn't job. because that's maybe the only way that they get in the playoff now Absolutely. <laughs> well, that's true so Absolutely. how crazy would it be okay let me set the stage for you let's get like southern cal in there all right they limp through their conference schedule they win their conference they get to like an eight seed and then they win the whole damn thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, like like you How said yes that, that be? that's the kind of stories you're gonna see that's what you want i mean people love that in um in basketball it's what people want right. mm-hmm. in march the cinderella Madden. story that's what you get in the nfl too with wild cards winning the, the wild you limp into the yeah. playoff and then you mm-hmm. win the super bowl like everybody loves that story oh, yeah i mean in baseball it's like everybody has it but college football yeah well, well now uh, we're getting it as uh, Mike Leach once said, you know, every small town can figure out how to do a softball tournament and do that bracket. <laughs> but college football can't seem to figure that out. So. Well, they're, they're figuring it out finally. It only took them, what, 130 years to do? Yeah, right. It's, someone finally added up the numbers for them of how much money they'd make. And they're like, oh. Yeah. And that, so that's an argument I've heard is, you know, about, OK, if they're taking away bowl games, they're going to lose money. But it's the exact opposite. These games mean so much more. I think they'll actually make more money. To your point, Matt, they're talking about the players who uh, who typically sit out. You know, you got your uh, fifth, sixth, and uh, on ranked teams who have quality players on their teams who are going to sit out in the bowl game because they don't want to get hurt. And, and can you blame them for that? I no, I, I don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And now those players are going to play because the game's actually matter and they still have sponsors will pay more money to have their name on that game than they would a regular bowl game so the price tag is going to go up the advertising price tag to advertise during the broadcast of those games is going to go up um it 
and then you have more people that are likely going to travel to whatever said city. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a lot of fanfare around the week leading up to whatever these playoff games are. The economic impact that these games will have on the cities in which they're hosted is going to be much more than it would for a regular bowl game. Um, and those games already have a huge economic impact on those towns. So there's so much more money to be made here just because to take it from the conference, it just means more. Yeah, I can I can see it now that the CFP board of directors is looking around at those games like, this is actually a pretty good idea. <laughs> Why didn't we do this before? It's like, it's like they got Michael Scott running the CFP. <laughs> we can make how much money? Um, one thing I wanted to also mention, too, is uh, I've lost my train of thought. I thought about Michael Scott. Now I've lost. That's what you wanted to mention. So, yeah. No, playoff games, CFP, expanding the playoff. This is a good idea. Oh, Spring, I remember what it was now. It needs to be a requirement in whatever document they use to draw this all up. You cannot play this game at a neutral site. Like mm. Those playoff games have to be played oh. in a home stadium. Okay. I think, I think they have to be. Now like, that you, might be the deal breaker there because can, those stadiums play, love that. I know they do, <laughs> but let's be honest here. It's going to be just medical, like so bare bones playing a game at the George Dome or not George Dome. George Dome has existed in 10 years uh, <laughs> playing a game at, at you know, uh, an right. NFL stadium when you could be playing that game at home in your own stadium. I just, I can't, I, can't, yeah. I just, it's, it's, there's a different feeling to a game in a college stadium. Oh, no doubt. And I have no disagreement there, but I can tell you right now because of money and those, those stadiums and what they have invested Oh, I know. That's not going to happen. And also, I get to build a brand new dome so that they can host stuff like this and the Super Bowl. Yeah. And who's who's building a new dome? Chicago. They just announced their plans today for what um, it's going to be in Arlington Heights, which is just slightly outside of the city. But it would be a dome and it's like a whole entertainment, you know, complex out there. But that's part of the appeal of Chicago. It's supposed to be cold and windy and i know well and it's like supposed to be, be like if they try to put a dome on lambeau field like right what? it's supposed to also be in chicago which like arlington heights is like mm. it's a but i digress um but i think i agree i'd love to have it gosh a playoff game in Bryant that would City be cool it would that would be, be crazy insanity. that would be nuts and be that's so even nuts. more incentive for the record that you were talking about matt because you want that home field advantage right yeah mm-hmm. so you, can that, you imagine like a regular college football game is going to be rocking but imagine the absolute mayhem of it playoff. being for a spot in the national championship game. I think that's why they don't do it. It's because <laughs> of all of the mayhem. You know what? The, you may see mustard bottles go flying on the field. If it would be absolutely just wild. And we just got alcohol in Bryant Denny Stadium. They're not going <laughs> to. You know what? You're, now that you mention it, that might not be such a bad uh, idea. Yeah. I take really it back. Bad. I take it back. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about uh, some of the uh, listener feedback uh, comments that we got. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. All right. So uh, we're talking about biggest takeaways from this weekend. And uh, Jody Hendricks said his biggest takeaway is that Mississippi State might just have the deepest and best receiving core in the SEC and possibly the nation receiving by committee. That's a it's an interesting comment. It's a it's a bold comment and something that we're going to have to watch in this uh, Mississippi State squad 
um, because obviously they did well. It was Memphis. They scored a lot of points, put up a lot of uh, offensive numbers. Um, but we'll see if they can continue to do that. Uh, what What are you guys' thoughts on on this comment? Well, that's nothing new because that's what Mike Leach has always. Been. That is what they do. That's, that's right. That's that's how his offense is built. It's built around you know spreading the ball out, throwing it all over the field, and and getting as many people to touch the football as you can. So it's it's on brand. But it but it helps for those people that you're throwing to to be to be yes. quality. Yes. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Jesse, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I agree. It's it's on brand, as Matt said. Um, I think obviously I'm, I. I say it, uh, I think Bama's receiving core is pretty stacked as well. Um, and it doesn't hurt to have a Heisman quarterback throwing it. So, yeah. Uh, but Mississippi state, yeah, it, that's what Mike Leach does. And he now has, you know, a couple of years there of having his own recruits who actually buy into that offense. So it certainly helps. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, Janet Russell said something I think we can all agree on. And that is her biggest takeaway is what we already knew that SEC is the best conference in the nation. Surprise. Hmm. <laughs> so we watched uh, the Oregon game. I don't yeah. know that it, that ACC conference is pretty good. <laughs> what did they say? I think the only SEC teams not to win their openers in the past three years are 2020 LSU, 2021 Vanderbilt and 2022 LSU. So that is not great company. <laughs> Poor LSU. Yeah. 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 We'll see what happens with them uh, later on down the road. Let's go ahead and talk about some of those games coming up. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble. All right, Matt. So as I mentioned last week, um, I think um, it's, I've been very rude in years past. I always go first. So we're going to fix that this year, and I'm going to let you guys go first. So let's talk about the first game of the week, and that was uh, Alabama, or that is Alabama, 1-0 at Texas, also 1-0, and that is noon on Fox from DKR Texas Memorial Stadium in Austin, Texas. So, Jesse, what are your, what are your thoughts on this matchup? <laughs> Those are my thoughts. Horns down. Um I think it's it's interesting. We're playing another Saban disciple uh, with uh, Steve Sarkeesian being the head coach at Texas and a coach that leading up all the press, he's just been super positive about Alabama and Coach Saban and the opportunity that coaching at Bama not once but twice has given him uh, when he couldn't even get you know an interview for a job. So I, I respect that about him. I do not respect the way that Texas has treated the bands big yeah about that that. One. um if you see the way that i forget who they played this past uh saturday but they put the band quite literally in the upper bowl in like the last rows and they only give them like 40 seats or something so that's just that's just really bush league and i don't like it and it's really hot in texas and to ask those kids to like climb down all those stairs and be that far away from their team it's just not classy texas so Bama's not traveling their band. Um, and, um, and maybe they're only traveling a select few, but the whole million dollar band is not going. Right. And um, I am looking forward to horns down Bama beating Texas 49 to 14. All right, Matt, your thoughts. Well, we're getting a preview of what's going to be in every, every year's thing here pretty soon with Texas <laughs> decides that they want to play with the big boys and then they're going to sit in the cellar with, 
uh, Mizzou and Vanderbilt and the rest of those guys. Um, I'm, I'm kidding. Texas historically is a great program, uh, but this is not a great Texas team that's coming to play Alabama. So I would, or that's going to be playing, hosting Alabama, excuse me. I forgot they're playing at DKR, Texas Memorial Stadium. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think Bama blows the brakes off of them. They say Bama is <clears throat> 42-7. Okay. Um, I think Bama's offense is going to get rolling after – I think it might be a, a very small bit of a slow start, but I think they get rolling. And that defense just too much for offenses – or for Texas's offense to get rolling. I'm going to go with Bama winning 45-17. to Bama's also a 20-point favorite right now, according to Vegas. So that should tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's uh, talk about the next game. That is South Carolina at 1-0 at Arkansas 1-0. We've got some SEC opponents here. Uh, that is noon on ESPN. Jesse, what are your thoughts on South Carolina at Arkansas? I'm really looking forward to this game. I think it's going to be a good one. I think these teams are two that are, you know, Arkansas has obviously been on the rise for a bit and I think is, is situated better than South Carolina is, especially after what we saw from Spencer Rattler this past weekend. However, I, I do think it might be a little bit of a game. So I am excited to watch it, but I am picking the hogs 31 to 28. Okay. Matt. I'm going to, I always go back to this. Good teams win games. Great teams beat the spread. Okay. I think Arkansas has got a really great team. Um, granted, we've only seen them play one game. I, in Vegas right now, has Arkansas favored by eight and a half. I'm thinking that's not going to be the case. I think Arkansas is going to beat them pretty handedly. So I'm going to say Arkansas wins this thing 38-14. I don't think Carolina is going to be able to hang with them. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I think this is going to be a fun one. Looking, looking forward to it. Probably a close game, I think, with both teams – showing us their potential when we talked about that uh, for both teams. Uh, I am going to go with Arkansas winning this one, 31 to 24, though. So um, next up, Mizzou at 1-0 at Kansas State, 1-0. That is noon on ESPN2. Jesse, can uh, Mizzou represent the conference against Kansas State? What you got? No. <laughs> no. Short and to the point. Uh, I don't think so, to be honest. I... I have no confidence in this Mizzou program, so I apologize to all of the the Tiger listeners out there. But I I think it will be somewhat of a game, and then I think at the end Kansas State's going to pull away from them just a little bit. So I'm actually picking Kansas State 28 to 21. All right, Matt, your thoughts on this one? I think I'm going to have a little bit more um, there. I I also cannot back the Tigers from the Show Me State. Um, this is probably a little bit of a, a rivalry between these two teams, because you know, mm-hmm. Kansas State and Missouri aren't that far apart. So, yeah, Kansas State's going to win this thing. I'm going to say they win 24-10. Drinky's going to have to circle the wagons. And circle the wagons. A, toughness Tuesday. Get pro, that going. Protein milkshake and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully Tuesday's already passed now. Hopefully they hopefully they didn't drop the ball on that one. Um, all right, so, yeah, so this one for Mizzou, Kansas State, I, I hate to pick against the conference, but in years past, you know, if I want to use a team for comparison, I would have just said Vanderbilt would get stomped if I'm, you know, whatever, if I'm being completely fair. So um, I, I think to, to, to keep it fair, I'm going to have to stay true to that. I think – that Mizzou makes it somewhat respectable, uh, but I'm going with Kansas State, 38 to 28. So, 
All right, um, let's talk about uh, App State at 0 and 1 at Texas A&M at 1 and 0, 3.30 on ESPN2. Um, App State, who took North Carolina to the wire last week. Well, Jesse, what do you got? I mean, as much as I wish to pick against the conference in this one, I cannot. <laughs> I know. It's just uh, Appalachian State is playing at Kyle Field's not an easy thing to do. Take it from me. Um, but it's certainly not going to be easy with uh, a Texas A&M team that's, that's decent. So I'm going to pick Texas A&M 38 to 13. Okay. Matt, what you got? Look, I think that the Appalachian State kind of overdid themselves last week, overindulged, if you will. <laughs> um, and as we know, famously, when you overindulge, you pay the price with a hangover the next morning. Um, I think this is going to be a hangover game for Appalachian State. I think they're going to be discombobulated through most of this game. They're not going to have a chance to hang. So, Tammy wins this thing 45-10. Okay. Look, I think AM needs to watch out for App State. I'm not saying they're going to, App State's going to win by any means, but uh, they do need to be careful. I still think AM gets it done, though. I'm going with AM 35-17. to 17. <clears throat> All right. Let's uh, talk about Tennessee at 1 0 at Pittsburgh 1 0, uh, 3 30 on ABC. Uh, Jesse, your your thoughts on this game? I mentioned it when we were talking about Tennessee previously. I think there is a lot of anger going into this game with how it ended last year. Mm -hmm. uh, so to me, I think there's been enough progression on Tennessee's side. I think their offense really got going this week. And it's going to be tough because it's going to be in Pittsburgh, but I think Tennessee is going to pull it out and I think they're going to win 31 to 27. Matt, we were talking about revenge tour earlier. Is this Tennessee's revenge tour uh, up in Pittsburgh? I think this is the headlining concert where you kick off the tour. Um, Jesse, I want to go back to your comment about this being Pittsburgh, um, which is known for its college, uh, college toughness as far as its teams go. Um, Listen, this is the Johnny Majors Classic. This is a big game for both teams. Um, Pitt won the ACC last year. Tennessee should have beat them last year. I'm convinced that Tennessee is light years ahead of where we were when we played them last year at the same, at, in the okay. same game of the season. I think Tennessee wins this game and gets out front early and stays out in front. Pittsburgh climbs back in third, fourth quarter, but Tennessee's going to win this thing handily 45-28. All right. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think this is going to be, as we said, a revenge game for Tennessee. Um, also, Pittsburgh doesn't have Kenny Pickett, so there's that. I don't know, for whatever that's worth, um, I'm going with UT winning this one, 35 to 30. I bet Kenny Pickett's in attendance, though. I mean, he's gonna yeah. be there. Um, yeah. He's in town. He's yeah. playing for the Steelers, although he's not playing yet. He's injured, but yet. <laughs> so yeah. um, as a, Mitch, Mitch Trubisky's not going to be able to hold on to that starting job. Sorry, Mitch. <laughs> Um, as, as a Steelers fan, I'm torn. I just want somebody good to be in there, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. So, um, let's talk about the next one. Samford at one and O at Georgia one and O four o'clock on sec network. Jesse, what is your prediction? This is going to be boring. UGA <laughs> 45 to 10. UGA 45, 10, Matt, what do you have? Mm, this is a Samford team that beat Kennesaw state, my alma mater. Uh, and, and beat them 20 what was the score it was 27 17 but they're playing another georgia team this week 
uh, and UGA is not going to be nice to them. Um, so I'm going to say UGA wins this thing. You know what? I think UGA gets the 50 burger here. I'm going to say 51, 20. 51. Yeah, it's not 52. Sorry. I can't yeah. type 51. No, you're good. All right. Cool. Cool. Um, this, this game doesn't even have a line. There's no line on this game, or at least when I looked at it, it doesn't have a line. Um, I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of playing time, but I do think, I do think that the defense is going to take a certain pride. I, I am going to put zero. I probably should put some points up there for them, but I'm going to go UGA. Oh, less, you're gambling. You're, it you're is a gamble. gamble. You're a gambling man today, my friend. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what and happens. That's eight points. It's fine. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let's move on to Kentucky 1-0 at Florida 1-0. You know, we've got, we've got a couple of SEC games coming up this weekend that are uh, intriguing. We have the, the, uh, this game at 7 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, Jesse, your thoughts on Kentucky at Florida. I went back and forth on this one so much um, to the point where I had to go with Vegas because I didn't know what to do. Um, I would put Kentucky and then I would put UF and I was like, oh, no. So I went with Vegas. I'm going to pick Florida. Um, the reason I'm going to do that is because they are at the swamp. That's a tough place. Uh, I know that Kentucky, I think it was last year, they had that historic win against Florida, or maybe it was the year before and they like almost burnt everything to the ground. But, um, I think Richardson is, is going to be mobile again. I think he's, he's going to be a little bit of a leader and, and put in more work than Will Levis will. Uh, so I'm going to pick UF 28 to 24. He's going to eat slightly fewer, uh, bananas with a peel as well. Mm-hmm. Matt, Get the mayonnaise and the coffee that morning. <laughs> Matt, what do you got? I think Matt is frozen. Yeah. Although he's very pensive. He looks very pensive right now. He's thinking long and hard about this one. I know. I'm like, is he going to change his, his score? Maybe. His prediction. I think there may be some connection issues going on, which is fine. I'll go ahead and do, do mine. Okay. So, um, look, I, I think that this is a, um, this is a trap game for Florida. Obviously, they had that emotional high out of, uh, after beating Utah. They're, they're right there. They're like, oh, yeah, we're back, baby. Things are going to be great. And they better watch out because I think Kentucky is going to give them a run for their money. I know, granted, it is at Florida again. But remember, uh, Kentucky just broke that streak. What was it? Since like the 70s. Yeah. They, hadn't, they hadn't won at Florida. Um, they, well, they beat was... them at home. They beat them in Kentucky. Well, I was going to say there was two streaks that got broken there. One was in Kentucky, and that was a long one. But then the one in Gainesville was like since the 70s or something. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, that was pretty wild. So, anyway, um, I do think – so uh, it's funny that you put 28-24, Jess, because I, basically, I, I have the same score, but it's flipped. I'm going with okay. Kentucky 28-24. to uh, 24. So – I. I had it. I had it that way. And I just, I, I went with Vegas. So Vegas don't, don't fail me. Um, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I normally right. don't go with Vegas. I normally don't look, but after seeing my performance last week. Well, so uh, yeah, I am taking, I am taking a chance because uh, that is what they picked, but I don't know. I just have a weird feeling about this one. I feel like probably Vegas has the score, right? It's just going to be flipped, which I mean is close anyway. So it's, it's right there. 
Yeah. So um, Matt will uh, join us uh, momentarily, um, but let's go ahead and move on uh, to the next one. We'll get Matt's score when he's able to to rejoin. Um, let's go ahead with um, Central Arkansas, the Bears, whose mascot is Bruce D. Bear, if you're curious. Okay. Um, they are 0-1. They're at Ole Miss 1-0, 7 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Um, as I mentioned, um, Luke Altmeyer will get the start in this one. Jesse, what are your predictions for this game? Yeah, I, this is not very intriguing for anybody. Um, I'm going Ole Miss like 13 to 10. You like that lead in, right? It was so promising. And then it's like, oh, well, it's Ole Miss at Arkansas, Central Arkansas. No, I, I completely agree. Um, I am going to go with uh, Ole Miss uh what did i put uh 45 to 10 so not exactly not exactly a game um no, i'm hoping they do better you know it's more of a blowout this week than it was against troy because troy wasn't a blowout in the slightest yeah yeah no so yeah i think that's going to be one thing they're trying to hone in a little bit more this week is playing up to their potential and uh maybe altmeyer will provide that we'll see um, all right, let's move to uh, the San Jose State Spartans at 1-0 at Auburn, also 1-0, 7-30 on ESPNU. Jesse, your thoughts on this one? Another another one this week that I'm just not interested in. Um, I'm going to pick the Tigers 31-17. to We are certainly not into the thick of the SEC schedule yet. There's going to be ones like this for a few weeks, um, and, and uh, we'll kind of – juggle in and out of these type of unless games. you're LSU and which your schedule is very tough and then it just sucks. I was gonna say you have three three wins that you're basically assured of everything else. Eh. Um I am also gonna go with Auburn. Uh obviously uh I'm gonna go uh what did I say 38 to 13. Yeah. So um all right let's move to the next game of the evening that is Southern at one and oh at LSU. 7:30 on SEC Network. Jesse, you're, I feel like this yeah, is like this is, this is like rapid fire to the same type I know, of game. This is one of the ones that I think LSU can win. This is one of their guaranteed three. So I'm picking LSU 38 to 10, especially after last week's loss. I think there's there's going to need to be some redemption. So they're they're going to come in guns a blazing. Yeah, um, I am also going to go uh, with LSU. Uh, you know, of course, uh, they should they should get this one. Um, I'm going to go 42 to seven. Oh, okay. All right. And so it's just Southern, like it's just it's just Southern. Yeah, Southern. Um, I think they're they are out of Louisiana, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they are also if I if this is the same uh, school that I'm thinking of, um, they have their band is known as the Human Jukebox. And they are amazing. So a show, a show with them is pretty good. So, hey, check that out, if nothing else. If the game's not interesting, halftime should be. So yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, all right. So, Matt, welcome back. Um, Sorry about that. My uh, computer decided to go. So uh, you're good, man. So um, we got to, which was the last one we got from you? Was it you said Georgia? We Sanford, Georgia? need to get Kentucky from Kentucky you. at Florida. What do you got for Kentucky at Florida? Okay, so 
I, right when I, I think part of the reason why my computer died is because Jesse decided to pull for Florida in this one. Um, and <laughs> I, I don't know how you can do that knowing what you know. So I'm going to go with Kentucky here, uh, 20 to 14. I, I don't, I don't think Kentucky is going to be able to do what they did this past weekend. Okay. Against, against, against a quality team like Kentucky. Or Florida. Yeah. Okay. Or yeah. No, I, Florida, sorry. yeah, you're good. Yeah. And I agreed. I, I think it's uh, kind of a, kind of a trap game for them like florida's uh, like yeah we're back and all that good stuff but yeah it's it's dangerous all right central arkansas in my pick i'm just going with what the betting people say no and i mean and that is smart get more points than you guys that is smart uh, and you as i say a lot smarter than, than than what i picked probably so um all right central arkansas bears uh, whose mascot is bruce d bear by the way matt at ole miss what are your what's your prediction there uh, Ole Miss is going to win this ball game, but I'm a little concerned about the quarterback play after what we saw this past weekend. So Ole Miss isn't going to win this thing big. I'm going to say 28-10. Okay. All right. Um, what are your thoughts on San Jose State at Auburn? Uh, I have two words for you, Tank Bixby. Um, I have a sneaking suspicion he'll probably run straight through them like like you know, bullet through toilet paper. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to say <laughs> – in fact, I'm not – now that I think about it, I'm going to be a little bit more confident in my pick. I'm going to say uh, Auburn wins this thing 35-10. Okay. All right. And then finally getting you caught up, Southern um, at LSU. Your prediction there. I think LSU wins this ball game as far as how much they win by, let's say, say 33-7. Okay. I think uh, a lot of these type of games are obviously not about who's going to win the game. It's the score, right? <laughs> How's that going to shake out? So, um, all right. And then the final game we have is Mississippi state at one and zero at Arizona. Uh, also one and zero. that is 11 PM on FS one. So uh, out there um, that's Tucson, right? I think so. Um, anyway, uh, Jesse, your thoughts on this one, what do you got? Yeah, I think this one, oof, that sucks. It's late. So hopefully those guys get to bed early. Um, although they are on central time, so maybe not as bad for them, but still. Uh, I think the air raid offense does what it needs to do here. And I'm picking the Bulldogs 31 to 21. Okay. But it's uh, but, very hot in Arizona. Yeah. By the way, I don't, I can't, uh, we've been, you know, trying to figure stuff out here. I don't remember if I said my score for Southern LSU, uh, just in case LSU 42, seven, that's what I got. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt from Mississippi State and Arizona. What is your prediction? Um, this is a Pac-12 team. They're immediately suspect, uh, especially uh, a mid-tier, lower-tier Pac-12 team. I don't think Arizona's done anything in the Pac-12 um, in football, at least for a while. Um, I may be wrong. Uh, they won their opener against San Diego State, 38-20. But I'm going to go ahead and go with Mississippi State. And Mike Leach is going to get them in there. So I'm going to say mm, 35, uh, 10. All right. So I already, I do make, I, I, I say I go last, but I do make my picks prior. Um, I just don't put, uh, put them down just to, so there's, you know, mystery for all of us. Anyway, so uh, I've got Mississippi State uh, winning this one 35 to 24. Um, so similar similar thoughts going on there so um all right well um i'm excited for uh the upcoming slate of games we do have some sec teams playing each other so that'll be fun um speaking of fun let's get into our just for fun segment with the emmy awards coming up this weekend 
if you had to pick an actor to play each SEC coach, who would it be? Now, this was kind of difficult and recognized that not all of these coaches lend themselves to easily picking an actor that would play them. So um, for for uh, the, the ones that you had, is maybe pick your favorites from the group or you don't have to do them all. But let's we'll start with you, Matt. What do you, what do you got? Well, I was looking at pictures of several of the SEC coaches when we were discussing this um, a little bit earlier, and I settled on Brian Dennehy to be either Sam Pittman or Brian Kelly. Uh, they both seem to be kind of fit the same body frame, same time, face type. They seem very similar. Um, Brian Dennehy, for those of you that don't know, is the dad in uh, Tommy Boy, which is a dated mm-hmm. reference. Anybody <laughs> under the age of 20 who's watching this is going, I have no idea what you just said, Matt. But anyway, Brian Denny is kind of who I came up. Um, I was looking at a picture of Brian Harson uh, a little while ago and noticed like right through here, he looks very Daniel Craig-ish. The eyes look very Daniel Craig-ish, maybe he's <clears> color, but I kind of got that vibe. And then I showed you all the picture of Mark Stoops with the slick back hair, and he's not an actor, but I swear he was the spitting image of Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> so yep. he looked a lot like him, and it was quite humorous. Yeah. Before we move on, I did have one thought about Brian Kelly, and I think you guys will agree. What about what about Steve Carell? Because he could do somebody could say, hey, Brian, and he'd be like, who's Brian? I'm Caleb Crawdad, I do declare. (laughs) That's true. And now that he's like graying a little bit, I can see it. I I said before the show, I said uh, uh, Ray Liotta. Yeah. but um i i get him for brian kelly mm-hmm. i think it's the eyes yeah all right um jess who uh who did you have you had kirby smart start with him did. kirby smart to me i'm getting like um i'm getting tim mcgraw vibes but like you know not like tim mcgraw that i've been working out and <laughs> am on poor tim mcgraw more like tim mcgraw i'm you know sitting in a backyard barbecue <laughs> okay. I don't, wait, I don't know if you'll notice this or not, but my hair is kind of going with that Kirby Smart look. <laughs> I love what's going on. Yeah. Matt, please put on a fi- find a visor hair. somewhere, please. <laughs> I know you're already wearing red. You know what? I don't own a visor. There's uh, not a visor in this house that I own because God. because before Kirby Smart's nah, was wearing them, yeah. that sh- Darth visor was wearing them out of Florida. So no, That's no, true. I don't wear visors. That's true. That's true. Um, for Eli Drinkwitz, I picked Jack McBriar, which if you watch 30 Rock, he plays like the page, like the little like nerdy one. And he's also in the pit crew in Talladega Nights. And he's in a yeah. lot of things. Look up his name. It'll make sense. He's just like, oh, mm, yep, yeah, mm, sure. Mm. Um, Lane Kiffin's obviously Daniel Tosh, obviously. Like, no, <laughs> obviously. Hands down. Um, was, when he, what was it when he was on it uh, when he had a show it was Kiffin's Crimson Corner I think yeah yeah <laughs> um, he also uh, I believe Tosh came to Tuscaloosa when we had him as a coordinator Kiffin as a coordinator mm-hmm. and just walked around and everyone's like oh, it's coach Kiffin <laughs> uh, so that one's an easy one Josh Heupel looking at his photos to me in the face he looks like a slightly heavier Quentin Tarantino. So I think if Quentin put on a little bit of weight and he had that like, mm, mm-hmm. like Tarantino. And then- I can, I can the, see it, Jesse. I can see right? it. Right? Put their pictures up. I did next to each other. It's kind of weird. <laughs> um, 
Mike Leach, the obvious choice I know is Johnny Depp because of Pirates of the Caribbean, but I say <laughs> no because you need someone a little stranger, honestly, yeah. and someone who can just say nonsense. And I think that's Zach Galifianakis. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. So for Mike Leach, we need to spray him up a little bit. That fits. I love it. And for those that were curious, Mike Leach has been asked this question before. And in an interview, when they asked who he thought should play him, he said John Cusack, which I don't understand. Oh, maybe, man. Maybe. <clears throat> I don't know. But, you know, ask Mike Leach uh, an odd question. You get an odd answer, right? So. Get, yeah. He at least answers it. That's right. So, um, all right. So I had uh, Shane Beamer and uh, I'm I'm going with I get uh, Billy Bob Thornton vibes when I see him, but not uh, Billy Bob's a little he's a little gray, almost white haired now if you've seen Billy Bob lately. But oh. I'm thinking more like kind of a little bit further back. Uh, so he might have to put in some of the just for men or whatever. Um, and then I had Clark Lee obviously went with Bruce Willis because he was the first bald guy I thought of. Um, and then, uh, Nick Saban, uh, this is, you know, I think you might like this, Jesse, I don't know, but I, w- I went with uh, Mark Ruffalo because he's had a lots of practice portraying somebody who can burst into fits of rage. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was I thinking I if, if I'm casting Nick Saban, I think I'm casting Kevin Costner. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, oh, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I went not with like looks, but more with yeah. like. Well, I just mean like the could... sternness, the yeah. the look of like, oh God, he he's going to turn me to stone. I think Kevin Costner has got that, but I do. Kevin Costner definitely does that. Does I that do Kevin Costner. What a cutie. Yeah, that's that's fair. All right, and then <laughs> Jimbo Fisher. Um, I picked uh, Michael Rooker. I'm not sure if you guys know who that is. Uh, if you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy, he plays Yondu. Oh, and that's so, a great pick. That's a great pick. That's he's got the pick. accent in terms of the Yandu character. You don't know if you can trust him. He seems kind of sleazy, but in, mm-hmm. and it's very aggressive well and turning the argument back on the accuser. I'm just saying, okay. So that's really good. It's good. I like it. Um, all right. So uh yeah, all right. So that does it for our just for fun segment. Uh enjoy the Emmys this weekend if you uh choose to watch those um yeah so that actually does it for this episode so uh thank you guys for joining us um lots of fun stuff to talk about um good games coming up looking forward to this weekend um if you would like to contact us please hit us up uh, on email at pigskinsandpageantry at gmail.com we can be found on tiktok at pigskinsandpageantry also uh, on Instagram at Pigskins and Pageantry. Facebook, same, at Pigskins and Pageantry. T- uh, Twitter, we are at PPSCC Podcast. And don't forget, we are available for download on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and most podcasting apps for iPhone, Android, and other operating systems. We would love a five-star review. Um, if you're on YouTube or wherever, hit the, uh, hit the like, hit the subscribe, so you can listen to us every week. Uh, give us the five-star rating we would love that helps visibility and helps us to continue making more fun shows like this so uh until next time this is wes go dogs uh horns down roll tide y'all gotta win gotta win let's beat pit go big orange <laughs>